The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey, welcome to episode 103 of the Book of Mormon podcast. Kevin and Shelby here. Hey, y'all. We are glad to have you here as we study Alma chapter 12, well, the, the last couple of verses of Alma chapter 12. We uh, cut it a little bit short last week. Not only do we, did we, we kind of met our time limit, um, but... I knew that there was more to study and more to learn about that chapter before we moved on. And throughout the week, Shelby and I, we, we did just that. We studied and, and prayed and um, we have some, some thoughts to share with y'all about, um, about our Savior and his role uh, at the center of the plan of redemption because it's it would be impossible without him right mm -hmm. so we we really stopped in chapter 12 i gotta scroll all the way down um the gospel library app also updated a little bit i don't know if you noticed that the text is like further apart and also the chapter mm -hmm. heading. I don't think mine's updated yet then, mm. but that's cool. So I just noticed it. Like I opened it this week and I realized that, Hey, this looks different. It's not, it's the lines are farther apart, a little easier to read, I guess. But we stopped in verse 32 and, you know, we, we were talking last week about, Adam and Eve and their experience in the garden where they, they were, they received commandments and they broke those commandments thereby uh, sinning and s separating themselves from the presence of God. Right. Yeah. But that didn't mean that God stopped communicating with them and helping them. He sent angels to them. And, and angels, which we're actually going to discuss quite a bit later today in this episode, um, angels really do facilitate uh, us hearing the voice of the Lord. And that's going to be a cool conversation to have when we get there. But hmm. um, verse 32 and 33, I want to read those verses. Um, okay. Therefore, God gave unto them commandments after having made known unto them the plan of redemption, that they should not do evil, the penalty thereof being a second death, which was an everlasting death as to things pertaining unto righteousness. For on such the plan of redemption could have no power, for the works of justice could not be destroyed according to the supreme goodness of God. But God did call upon men or call on men in the name of his son, 
this being the plan of redemption, which was laid, saying, if you repent, or if you will repent, and harden not your hearts, then will I have mercy upon you through mine only begotten son. And I just, I mean, it's on my phone. And so all the highlighting is the same intensity, I guess. But Hmm. I felt myself like really highlight through mine only begotten son. And that's where I really started thinking, you know, are we, are we focusing enough on Jesus Christ as we talk about this? As I took the opportunity to listen to last week's podcast, I really do feel that we put Jesus Christ at the center of our conversation. But as I started to ask myself, and we, we can all do that. We can all ask ourselves, am, am I putting Jesus Christ really at the center of everything that I do? I started thinking about how we could start this week's podcast really, really uh, focusing on Jesus Christ. And, you know, I I was talking to you, Sheldon, that Mm -hmm. as we were talking about this plan of redemption, which is also known as the plan of salvation, well, that's in Preach My Gospel. That's in lesson two. That's what the second lesson is. And so I thought, well, I guess I should go there. Mm -hmm. But then something said, no, go go to lesson three. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I did. I turned um, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, lesson three, and preached my gospel. And the very first heading is titled The Divine Mission of Jesus Christ. And I was so grateful for the Spirit leading me there because everything in this section, which is, it's not super long. But it's, it's a little bit lengthy um, for, for quoting a whole um, passage. Um, but it says everything that I wanted to say. And anything that we could possibly forget to talk about, it's, it's in there. So I wanted to go through that today. Okay. Shelby, do you want to start us off? Yes. So we're in Chapter 3. The first heading, right? Yeah. Okay. Said God sent his beloved son, Jesus Christ, into the world so that all of God's children would have the possibility of experiencing joy and peace in this world and everlasting life in the world to come with their families. Additionally, through Jesus Christ, all God's children children will live again when their bodies and spirits are reunited in the resurrection. And it does reference the scripture in DMC. And then it says, which I think this part really relates to chapter 12. (laughs) But as the result of Adam and Eve's transgression, death is experienced by all people. And because all people have made mistakes and sinned, they are unable to return to live with God because, quote, no unthing can dwell in his presence. And that quotes First Nephi ten twenty one. No unclean thing can dwell in his presence. Isn't that what I said? I think you said no unthing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that would be my maybe I misheard my brain. Sorry, I meant no unclean thing. And and like you said, so those two paragraphs really do like they they really sum up the teachings of Alma and Amulek 
in, in regard to like the resurrection, the reuniting of spirit and body after death, right? So does the next paragraph. Do you want to read that one? Yeah. Um, however, through the Savior's grace and mercy, we will live again as resurrected beings and can be clean from sin so that we can live in our Heavenly Father's presence. Becoming clean from sin is being healed spiritually. Any thoughts on that? Yes. So I've had this... Um, realization lately that how that the fall of Adam and Eve is so crucial to the plan of redemption. And we have to remember that Alma and Amulek are teaching a people to repent. So why are they then talking about Adam and Eve would be like a good question to ask yourself, or why are they talking about the resurrection? <laughs> you know, like, what, what does that have to do with anything about repenting? And I learned this past week through one of my institute or my institute class I take on Thursday mornings that Adam and Eve and them transgressing and falling was so key to set the plan in motion, the plan of redemption, so that Christ could come right. <laughs> and atone for not only Adam's sins, but all of our sins and be able to bring us back to his presence. And the one way that we make it back is through repenting, but through the name of Jesus Christ, right? So I just had this moment this week where I realized, oh, wow, I never really considered how important the fall was, even though that's what we talked about the last week, in what repentance means. So that's why Alma and Amulek, I believe a big portion of why they're explaining it all to them. Yeah. Because it's important to, to know that. So those are my thoughts from that. Going back at least for a moment to Alma 12, the next verse, verse 34 says, therefore, whosoever repenteth and hardeneth not his heart, he shall have claim on mercy through mine only begotten son unto a remission of his sins, and these shall enter into my rest. And I think that also ties into what we're talking about in this, you know, mm -hmm. lesson three he uh, chapter heading. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Lord's rest in chapter 13 of Alma. But I want to just say that, you know, to understand it initially, you can you can really use the word exaltation, right? Um, which is everything that God has promised us that you receive it. And um, I, I wrote basically exaltation for the rest of the Lord. But think of it as the perspective or from the perspective of being welcomed and at peace in God's presence. You don't have any misgivings. You don't, you know, you don't feel like you're on a poor standing mm -hmm. with, with the Lord or with Heavenly Father because you have done all that you've been commanded to do and you have repented thoroughly um, and earnestly with real intent of those things that you know you did wrong because 
at this point, you'll have that perfect knowledge, which we talked about. I feel like um, paragraph six under hmm. lesson three that we're reading is a perfect uh, sister yeah. uh, chapter. Or I don't know what you want to call it, but it's perfect to match that, what you just read. In a segue or something? Yeah. Go for it. So it says, the Savior satisfied the demands of justice for those who repent of their sins and endeavor to keep all of his commandments. When he stood in our place and suffered the penalty for our sins, this act is called the atonement of Jesus Christ. Because of this selfless act, Christ can plead with the Father on our behalf. Heavenly Father can apply mercy, withhold punishment from us, and welcome us into his presence. Our Heavenly Father shows mercy when he forgives us of our sins and helps us return to dwell in his presence. And that's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. right? They made him, or they transgressed, he said. There were consequences for that, but he also made a way to return back to our heavenly home. And so it's just so key, his atonement being set in place to be able to do that for Christ to intercede on our behalf, to, to come back to our Heavenly Father. So what I've always thought about and, you know, as, as it's been taught to me by the spirit and, and by uh, listening to talks and, and reading the scriptures and, you know, there's so much more doctrine um, of the fall that is expounded in the book of Moses and the Pearl of Great Price. And that's definitely an account to read um, in, in conjuncture with the Genesis account in the Bible. But, and I, I say this all the time, I've pro I probably mentioned it <clears throat> early on in the Book of Mormon podcast, um, but the Bible, especially the book of Genesis, is likely a an account written down of many many hundreds of years um, of oral tradition. You know, they they shared these stories of their first parents, and they wove in that story the doctrine uh, of the fall and redemption. And, and so on and so forth, all these things that we're talking about. And after time, it became very heavily symbolic. You know, you've got the snake, you've got, you know, the garden, you've got all this stuff. And so um, what, what Alma and Amulek do and what the fullness of the gospel, the restored gospel does, is it expounds the doctrines that are kind of sometimes hard to see behind these ancient stories. And I get fired up about that. Like I get really excited when when I see that, you know, we we are blessed with greater light and knowledge because of living prophets, you know, beginning in our dispensation with the prophet Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. So um, that that's my testimony right there. Uh, what else did you want to add, Sean? So I did want to add. That even though we we can choose to apply the atoning the atonement, I was going to say the atoning blood of Christ, but that's the atonement. Um, 
we can also still choose the opposite of that. <laughs> so the, the gift of agency still is there for us to choose one or the other. And the scriptures in Alma 12 talk about that. I don't have those up, but I do have the, the last paragraph in the divine mission of Jesus Christ. Um, it does say, however, <laughs> Jesus did not eliminate our personal responsibility. He forgives our sins when we accept him, repent, and obey his commandments. And then it goes on to say that through Jesus Christ's atonement and living the gospel, we can enter the presence of our Heavenly Father permanently. But the opposite can be said as well, which you have the scriptures. Yeah. So you read the opposite now, Kev. If I may. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to reread verse 34, which I just read, and 35, because that's together. You. It ties it together. Therefore, whosoever repenteth and hardeneth not his heart, he shall have claim on mercy through mine only begotten son unto a remission of his sins, and these shall enter un into my rest. And whosoever will harden his heart and do iniquity, behold, I swear in my wrath that he shall not enter into my rest. And so, you know, and, it, and that reminds me of President Nelson this last weekend talking about you know, do whatever you need to do to receive all that God wants to give you, um, mm -hmm. which is everything God has. He's He's willing to give you, and there's nothing that can compare. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's what he says. Nothing can compare with all that God has. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the idea here, and we'll continue... If, if we can, into verse 36 and 37, it says, And now, my brethren, behold, I say unto you that if you will harden your hearts, you shall not enter into the rest of the Lord. Therefore, your iniquity provoketh him, that he sendeth down his wrath upon you, as in the first provocation, yea, according to his word in the last provocation, as well as in the first, to the everlasting destruction of your souls. So, and, and this, he, you know, Alma is using this kind of symbolism of the first and the last. And he, he goes kind of hard on that. And he, he continues in, verse, in chapter 13 as well, talking about this, the nature of, of God, the nature of Jesus Christ as being the first and the last. Um, it's, it's definitely something to study. It's something to come to an understanding of but you know god and heavenly I, I keep saying that heavenly father and jesus christ they are eternal they're unchanging and they also know the beginning or from the beginning to the end mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunity for us to to repent but as we harden our hearts after being, you know, being forgiven once, the provocation of our iniquity, it's as if we didn't repent the first time, right? So the first provocation is just, you know, it, it takes effect again, um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I had a thought. Um... But then it went away. 
I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was something, but <laughs> it's okay. But that's okay. If we can, I do have a thought about 37 though. Go for it. Um, so he, he talks about that, you know, what Kevin just talked about, but then he says to close out talking to the people. Well, this part of talking to the people, he says in 37, my brethren seeing, we know these things and that they are true. Let us repent and harden not our hearts that we provoke, not the Lord, our God to pull down his wrath upon us. And these, his second commandments, which he has given unto us, but let us enter into his rest of God or enter into the rest of God. So I think about it like in two ways and the scriptures say this, but the commandments can either be, <laughs> Oh, this was my thought. The commandments can be a reason that <laughs> the wrath of God comes down upon the people, upon the people, but they're also a reason for, for us to enter into his rest. Like it could, they can be happening at the same time. And I say that because uh, president Oaks, gave a talk in this last conference about um, attending church, just any church, <laughs> like the importance of attending church on Sunday. Um, and that's a commandment, right? Like to worship and to gather and to, uh, you know, take the sacrament. And when we're not doing that, like as a general and as a nation, as a global world, um, there's effects that come from that, from not keeping that commandment. But at the same time, there are good effects that come from people keeping it, that are keeping it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So the commandments here, you see it like, don't let them bring down his wrath upon you, but rather let them, let you be the people that enter into his rest from it, <laughs> from keeping it. Right. Is how I see him talking to these people at the end of this Whole to running through the plan of redemption. Yeah, and, and it's a matter of perspective. It's like, are you are you going to believe these things and and accept them and be obedient, um, or yeah. are you going to harden your heart? Yeah. Because either way, God God is God. Right. The plan of redemption is taking effect in your life, but if you don't if you don't accept it then you won't receive all the blessings that God has in store for you. Yeah. So that wraps up chapter 12. Um, and uh, we're going to just rock and roll yeah. straight into to chapter 13. <clears throat> Shelby, what is the first thing that like really hit you about chapter 13, where did it start really causing those gears to start, you know, start going? <laughs> the first verse. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good. Yeah. Uh, it was the phrase, um, set your minds forward to the time when the Lord God gave these commandments into the children of men. Mm. I don't know why, but the phrase sight your minds forward Okay, just taking that. Oh, you have a note on it. You want to share? I I thought that was an interesting word. Yeah. And I mean, we we know that like if you 
if you have like a citation, mm -hmm. it means that you're referencing another work like or something like that. And I decided, you know, I'm going to go look at the, the 1828 dictionary of sight and I'm going to figure out what sight means. And the most applicable definition um, to this is to to direct, to mm -hmm. order or urge. Mm -hmm. So he's not just saying, hey, I want you to think about the time when uh, the Lord God gave these commandments unto his children. He's saying, I want you to really put yourself in that frame of mind. Mm -hmm. Like really direct your thoughts there Yeah, is what I would say. And it really, I think it hit me because he just immediately, I don't know, it was just so immediate, like sight your minds forward. And then it made me think about how these people, they haven't, we have the knowledge in the latter days of, and the record and the Book of Mormon of Christ's coming, right? We have, and the Bible, <laughs> we have that too. They didn't have that yet. So it was really necessary to cite their minds forward um, to not look at the commandments that he gives his children, but also to his coming, right? And nowadays, as, as the restored gospel of Jesus Christ is here on the earth, and it's still continuing, you know, it's not over. We are in the restoration. We are part of the restoration. That we look forward, we cite our minds forward to him coming again, Right. And we remember his his works that he did here on earth. And we have those records. So it just like really drew me in. <laughs> I guess you would say that phrase. And that's where I really was like, oh, where are we going with this chapter? <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate <laughs> so that. So that's my thoughts to answer your question. <laughs> did you have any thoughts? Or what drew you in? Well, this chapter talks a lot about this ordination to the priesthood. And, you know, there in, in the first verse, it talks about remembering that the Lord God ordained priests after his holy order, which was the which was after the order of his son to teach these things unto the people. So, you know, God, the, the priesthood is God's power. And he, he allows people, specifically men, who uh, hold the priesthood and ordained to the priesthood offices to act with his power, like in his name. Okay. But the all that comes through is the son. The son is our great high priest. Mm-hmm. So, mom, if you're listening, because I know, mom, mm -hmm. you listen to these, um, <laughs> something that you would say all the time is we need the priesthood. Um, and this isn't a bad thing. Like, you know, we need the priesthood wherever we go. Like, if we're going to go camping or something, right? We want priesthood there. Um, but as I've come to study this chapter, mom, and learn more about the priesthood, it's not um, that the men themselves are the priesthood, but they are holders of the priesthood um and it is after the order of his son which just means uh elder was it elder mcconkey who 
said it. I don't know actually who actually said it, but being after the order of sun is just a reference to the Melchizedek priesthood. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because now that I've learned that, when I look at, when I do talk about the priesthood and we talk about men who hold the priesthood, I like calling them holders of the priesthood rather than calling him the priesthood, if that makes sense. I like that distinction in my mind. And I think there's probably been more of a, like you said, a distinction in recent years. Yeah. Um, not because the doctrine changed or not <laughs> because, you know, of the political climate of, you know, uh, gender inequality and things like that. It's because the Lord and, and his prophets, they do teach people according to their needs. Like, yeah. just like as missionaries do, they don't, they don't just walk in the house and start some rote presentation of, of the restoration. They get in there, they do how to begin teaching. Mm-hmm. They figure out where people are at. And at this time, the, there's a distinction that's necessary. But yeah, and not not to pull, draw away from that, but this this ordination after the manner of the Son of God um, in verse three, and this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God, on account of their exceeding faith and good works. So. It's, it's not, and we know that as spirits in the pre-mortal world, we did make choices. Agency existed there. But the foreknowledge of God allows him to know of, as it says here, uh, on account of their exceeding faith and good works, in the first place, being left to choose good or evil. Therefore, they, they have... Therefore, they having chosen good and exercising exceedingly great faith are called with the holy calling. Yea, with that holy calling, which was prepared with and according to a preparatory redemption for such. So a lot going on there. Um, are, did, did we do things in the pre-mortal world that, that qualify some for uh, their callings here on earth? Yes, but it's the foreknowledge of God. He knowing what opportunities we'll have here on earth, what decisions we are like to make. Um, not that we don't have a choice, but he knows. He knows us hmm. just just like uh, yeah, earthly parents. They know us, but Heavenly Father is a perfect glorified being, so he really knows us, and he knows what we're going to do here. He has that omniscience, and so he prepared us from the foundation of the world, some to hold the priesthood and here on the earth, some to exercise the power of the priesthood, which anybody can do if they are called to a holy calling. So why, why is that important? And I just say that to pause because I think, we just skipped over something that's very important in verse two, which is the reason he's bringing it up once again is so that everybody might know the manner to look forward to his son for redemption, right? Where do we look for 
for that. Um, and because of the power of the priesthood and the atonement and, and this order, right, we can look that way for remission of our sins because of his power. So that's why it's set up like that. <laughs> you know, it's important. I think it's important just to pause and and take that in for just a second and realize that. And if I may, Kev, I had a class today with the young woman and it was on the priesthood keys. And what Kevin said was that, what was that last thing you said? For ordination. Um, women were also for they call it for designation. Um, I mean, that's what that's what some literature has it, but yeah. I, I don't think that's the only term. But women um, act under the authority of the priesthood. They um, So Bishop gave the example. He said, there's the Bishop of the Word who has keys for the Word to help serve everybody, right? Bring them back to Christ, help them repent, help them get on the covenant path. He can't do it alone. So he has these keys. He's inspired to call someone like a Relief Society president. And that Relief Society president, although she, so a Relief Society president's a woman. Um, and although she doesn't hold the priesthood, she's given the authority from the bishop to act in that office of the priesthood and help assist in the work of salvation. And so um, that was something I never... I always trusted people growing up in young women's that, you know, we still get every blessing to the priesthood and, and we still get, um, you know, we have authority and things. And I just, I never could explain it perfectly. Um, but I did believe that what my teachers were teaching me was right because I felt the spirit. And so now as I get older, I really see it. I really see how women, we, even though we don't hold it, we do act in authority under it. And yeah. so it's just really cool um, to think about because this one talks about a lot of offices of the priesthood, which, you know, or I guess I had a lesson about a lot of offices of the priesthood that, you know, men do hold offices, elders, teachers, deacons, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it was just really cool to think about um, from a woman's perspective that when God calls you, he does give you authority. Yeah. And, and to, to help everyone come back to him. And, and so you know, purpose. both male and female, um, it doesn't matter. You, if you if you have desires to serve, you're called to the work. Yeah. And those desires began in heaven with our Heavenly Father. And he saw those, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we, we have a, a little baby girl on, on the way here in a couple months and even though she's not even here yet not born yet i anticipate seeing in her very early youth right her very early years those qualities of becoming a great um a great servant of the lord mm -hmm. and you know, those, those qualities, um, there's a reason they're called qualities because they qualify us to do things. And Heavenly Father saw those qualities in us as spirits. And so 
you know, he gave us opportunity here on the earth to, to make a difference and to serve. And he's going to give everyone their, their own unique opportunity. It's not, it's not my calling to be the president of the church, right? It's not my calling to be the bishop of our ward right now. It's my calling to assist in the family history and temple work in the ward right now. And when the Lord sees fit, um, I'll, I'll be, you know, dismissed, released from that calling and he'll give me another one. And that calling will be taken up by somebody else who had the same qualities, uh, not the same, but similar uh, that, that would help them. Um, and then they are, it's up to them to take it and run with it, you know? Um, and I hope that we, I hope that we're, we're sticking to, you know, the, you know, last week, something that we got in trouble with was that we tried to stick so, so strictly to the verses <laughs> in the, in the chapter that we forgot to really have a conversation about what is this really talking about? So, so what, what else do we want to talk about um, from the scriptures? Um, <clears throat> well, if, if I can say one more thing to conclude up your yes. thought. It's from the Book of Mormon Student Manual. Um, and it, it's talking about how agency existed in the pre-mortal world. But I I wanted to just read here and there. And if you find it and want to follow, that's fine. But it says, as spirits in the pre-earth life, we developed worthy characteristics that showed our abilities. God observed our progress and gave us responsibilities according to our faithfulness. Then it goes on to quote, um, Joseph Fielding Smith, and he says, much further down, he knew not only what each of us could do, but what each of us would do when put to the test and when responsibility was given us. Then when the time came for a habitation on mortal, on mortal earth, all things were prepared and the servants of the Lord chosen and ordained their respective missions. Um, and I just thought that was interesting because I, I even leaned over to Kevin today because I'm the I'm the young woman's president in the ward, and I said, so I Holy Father knew, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that I would accept a calling as as a young woman's president, and that was something I I knew I would do, you know. <laughs> and Kevin goes, yeah, and I just think about that, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool that he saw that in me, you know. Like I I won't see that in me, but he gave me that opportunity, right. To grow and to, to change. But most importantly, what I keep bringing it back to that I think the scriptures always keep bringing it back to, as you read is directing and gathering people back to their savior, Jesus Christ, to repent and receive a remission of their sins. So that way they can get home to him too. Just like you can. So all we are are vessels to help people get back. Right. And that's the thing is that the the priesthood authority, it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you, I was going to say it doesn't make you like a better person. I actually believe it does make you a better person if you are um, faithful and, and if you, if you're, what were you saying? Just if your heart's in the right place. Right. Like it makes you better because you want to, you want to live up to your covenants and to that that um, divine lineage and the, the, the holy, um, 
I don't know what the word, the, the kind of the heritage of the priesthood, like going back all the way to the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And like, hey, those were great men. Um, they were foreordained to their, their positions and their priesthood offices. And they received, they, I mean, we've been talking about it today, they received everything that God had. Mm-hmm. For those of you who can't, well, you can't see Kevin's face, but he just has this look of, it's just hard to comprehend sometimes. Yeah. Like it's very, it's, it's hard because our tiny mortal brains, <laughs> yeah. we just, sometimes we cannot, can't, we can't comprehend the grandeur of God. And if we do, it is because the spirit is teaching us. And so it's just something to think about. The reason that I brought up like that the priesthood doesn't, doesn't elevate your status among men or like elevate your status of the world or anything Mm -hmm. is because that's not what it's about. And in verse six, and thus being called by his holy, by this holy calling and ordained unto the high priesthood of the holy order of God to teach his commandments unto the children of men that they also might enter into his rest. So we've talked about that rest of the Lord earlier today. And, you know, that's, that's the reason for men to be called to the, to the priesthood, the high priesthood, which is the Melchizedek priesthood. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's to help others come unto Christ. And there's no way that they can do it by themselves. They, they have to, um, they have to utilize other people by giving them callings, you know, to, to help in the work. There's something, um, I should have counted how many times the word order is in this chapter, (laughs) but on our general conference recap, our bonus episode, one of my favorite talks was about order (laughs) and how God's a God of order and I just see so clearly here how God is a God of order when it comes to his priesthood, um, delegation of keys and things that we can learn more about in Doctrine and Covenants. And he is, I I highlighted every time in the scriptures that it said after the order of his son. And there's a lot of yellow highlights (laughs) because it's repeated so often. But God is a God of order. So this is important that it was set in place, that it was his priesthood after the order of his son um, to be able to set this plan in motion and bring his children back to him. Um, And that's just what I keep coming back to. (laughs) That's why it's all there, you know, and he gives men that power. Um, I don't really know necessarily where to go from here Hmm. maybe uh i don't know do you have thoughts maybe talking about melchizedek yeah um you know there's there's so there's so many little uh things (laughs) that we could go into here but i i want to close off this part you know it's in verse nine the it ends with amen Mm. and i want to read that verse it says thus they become 
high priests forever, after the order of the Son, the only begotten of the Father, who is without beginning of days or end of years, who is full of grace, equity, and truth, and thus it is. Amen. There's two things that I just want to add as we kind of move into the next part of our, our studies. Becoming high priest forever, there is, there's more you can read in the Book of Mormon Student Manual, but all I want to say is, again, it's receiving all that God has and being, you know, what, what, the, what the atonement of Jesus Christ does is it gives us the opportunity to be in good standing with God and Jesus Christ in a way that we can't possibly do that of our own power. Like we don't have the capability of cleansing and sanctifying ourselves. And that's what the priesthood does. The priesthood ordinances in the temple, um, even the priesthood ordinances of baptism and confirmation, that's what it does. It helps you put off the natural man. It helps, um, bring us to uh, be capable, like actually capable <laughs> of being in the presence of God and Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we can't be in their presence, right? So, and then I also want to say, I, I linked, it was, I guess it was last week, we were singing the hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty at church. And in that, in that hymn, there's a verse that says, let the amen sum all our praises again now as we worship before him. Hmm. And when you see amen in the scriptures, think of that as everything that we, everything that's been said, say it again. <laughs> hmm. That's why I, I believe when we end a prayer, everyone says amen because they're saying yeah, I'll, I'll say that again, right? You can say that again. <laughs> and amen sums all of the praises, right? So um, moving forward, and uh, I don't want to, I don't want to skip anything. Mm -hmm. um, as a little side note, there's a new function on Spotify that uh, it's like a question and answer thing and what i want to do is and we did this with a previous episode but there's going to be an option for you to type something like thought or something um and it's just gonna say join the conversation and you can reply to that and you can add your own thoughts um and we'll discuss them on the next podcast uh, so, but if there's anything that we skip over and you, you think, you know, I really want to put this in there, then feel free to do that. We'd love that. Um, there's so many qualities. I'll use that word again, that it talks about when it, through this chapter about these, these who are called to the high priesthood and it doesn't have to only be men and it doesn't only have to be those who currently hold 
the high priesthood. It can be, you, you can be a, a, a young person who's not of age yet. You can be an old person who is still trying to put things together. One of those, um, the opportunity that we have is sanctification. In verse 11, they were called after this holy order and were sanctified. Their garments were washed white through the blood of the lamb. And it was actually a quote from Brigham Young. And I want to read it. Um, it talks about his definition, his own definition to the term sanctification. He says, I will put my own definition to the term of sanctification and say it consists in overcoming every sin and bringing all into subjection to the law of Christ. God has placed in us a pure spirit. When this, the spirit, reigns predominant without let or hindrance and triumphs over the flesh and rules and governs and controls, this I call the blessing of sanctification. Will sin be perfectly destroyed? No, it will not. For it is not so designed in the economy of heaven. Do not suppose that we shall ever in the flesh be free from temptation to sin. Some suppose that they can be in the flesh. Uh, they can in the flesh be sanctified body and spirit and become so pure that they will never again feel the effects of the power of the adversary of truth. Were it possible for a person to attain to this degree of perfection in the flesh, he could not die, neither remain in a world where sin predominates. Sin has entered into the world, and death by sin. I think we shall more or less feel the effects of sin so long as we live, and finally have to pass the ordeals of death. My thoughts of that is just that you know, sanctification doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that when you've sanctified yourself, you are, well, you're, as, as Elder Holland said, you're all in. You're not letting all these other things of the world influence your decision-making. Brother Valdez, Eric Valdez, gave a wonderful testimony today of an experience um, that he had. And he said he was just thinking, how can I, all he wanted to do was just be better and do better. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that just hit him was, um, I believe if I'm thinking right, or maybe this was just the impression I had, but just choose heavenly father in everything that you do before anything, choose him and you're going to be okay. And I think that in turn is sanctification. You're sanctifying yourself because you're not going to let anything else get in the way of of whatever that choice is right you're just going to always put him first and then let everything else fall into place and that's that's the love of god yes that was the other impression i had yeah and, that, and that's what he said he said yeah you know you said choose god and he said love god same thing yeah and it reminds me of President Thompson, um, Thomas S. Monson, excuse me, <laughs> I combined his names. <laughs> President Thomas S. Monson, our beloved uh, late prophet, he said, choose your love and love your choice. Mm -hmm. And he said that in the context of marriage. 
but you know it can be the same with the lord choose him choose the lord and love and the love lord. him and love who you've chosen you know especially those of us who are baptized members of the church we've taken upon us his name where he, you know there are religions and and denominations of christianity where people are literally married to the lord like women are married to the lord and then their whole lives they are set on serving him loving him choosing him and nothing else and all of us have that opportunity um, by dedicating our time and uh, and our talents and and it goes it can go into our beliefs in the law of consecration but but i don't i don't want to get too far into that right now i want to stick to alma 13. <laughs> um alma helps us along and and talk a little bit about this sanctification that wonderful quote from brigham young our discussion here uh, alma helps us a little bit he says um after being sanctified by the holy ghost having their garments made white being pure and spotless before god could not look upon sin save it were with abhorrence and i think about that and it's like abhorrence is a, a powerful word that it's not that you see sin and are kind of made uncomfortable it's that you are you are violently opposed to anything you know uh resembling or or anything um contrary to the law of god and that's when that's when you become more pure is when you 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 don't want to have anything to do with with anything contrary to god's will you can still operate in the world but you know what is most important you know what you're willing to do what you're not willing to do the um webster's dictionary for 1828 that mm -hmm. you usually do right is it 1828 yeah. that you do it says to hate extremely or with contempt <laughs> to yeah. loathe detest or abominate so it's pretty like it's pretty clear yeah. you don't want anything to do with that <laughs> and luckily that that word has aged uh it hasn't aged at all it means the same thing today as it did in 1828 yeah now um you know the high priesthood which we, we've referenced melchizedek mm -hmm. throughout today's podcast and alma begins to talk about this this man named melchizedek um he says who was also a high priest after the same order which I have spoken, who also took upon him the high priesthood forever. So if you haven't been following us, that means he entered into the rest of the Lord. <laughs> and it was the same Melchizedek to whom Abraham paid tithes. Yea, even our father Abraham paid tithes of one-tenth part of all he possessed. Um, there's something there. I don't know exactly you know, we, we hear about this where Melchizedek was was somehow a, a priesthood leader over Abraham. He was also 
I, well, before we get there, um, he being a king over the land of Salem, it it's okay. interesting. Melchizedek. Yeah, Melchizedek. Yeah, just want to clarify. Mm-hmm. Uh, in verse 16, right after it talks about, you know, this paying of tithes, which seems like, well, wait a second, what, what are we talking about this for? Um, other than to just name drop Abraham, right? Now, these ordinances were given after this manner, that thereby the people might look forward on the Son of God, it being a type of his order, or it being his order. And this, that they might look forward to him for remission of their sins, that they might enter into the rest of the Lord. So, you know, Melchizedek, being this priesthood authority to whom Abraham paid tithes, you know, even Abraham, everyone is is looking toward a greater priesthood authority, and the ultimate authority is the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this, the, the little, or not the little, the quote from President Oaks a couple of years back where he talks about authority, and he says, the, the, what other authority is there other than Jesus Christ's authority? There's, you know, it's not your bishop's authority. You know, it's, it, it's only Jesus Christ. And um, he who um, is honorable in, in keeping their covenants and calling people to repentance and pointing them toward the Savior, they are worthy of that priesthood. Anything you want to talk about, Sheldon? That's why they named it Melchizedek, because <laughs> Melchizedek did exactly what Kevin just said. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the verses really 17 through 19. Yeah, he was, he was <laughs> the king of the land of Salem. Yeah. Way back. And um, while he was a king of that land, the people who were, you know, who he was over, who he had earthly authority over, they waxed strong in iniquity. Mm-hmm. And Melchizedek, he exercised mighty faith. Mm-hmm. He received the office of the high priesthood according to the holy order of God. And did preach repentance unto his people. And behold, they did repent. And Melchizedek did establish peace in the land in his days. Therefore, he was called the Prince of Peace, for he was the King of Salem, and he did reign under his father. And he was a type of Christ, right? Yeah. Um, and I like verse 19. <laughs> 19. Why don't you read verse 19 for us? <laughs> it says, Now there were many before him, and there were many afterwards. But none were greater therefore of him that, I'm sorry, none were greater therefore of him they have more particularly made mention. So it's it's interesting, right, that even back back in these times, his name was made uh, more particularly uh, made of mention, right? Made mention. Like everyone remembered Melchizedek. Yeah. And so... Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ found it expedient to, because of the order that the priesthood ordered, to name it the Melchizedek priesthood. It's also, 
as we learn in the Doctrine and Covenants, it's um, to avoid using the name of of God too often, um, because otherwise it would be the the order after the the holy order of God, something like that. Yes, I'm. I'm. I, I wish I could. I wish I knew it word for word, but I do too. I thought about that. But maybe it will be expedient that we find it later. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's really it to say about uh, Melchizedek, who he was, and why <laughs> why he was so great. <laughs> yeah, it's in Doctrine and Covenants 107. Uh, out of respect or reverence to the name of the Supreme Being, to avoid the too frequent repetition of his name, they, the church, in ancient days called that priesthood after Melchizedek or the Melchizedek priesthood. The priesthood is actually called the holy priesthood after the order of the Son of God. Mm-hmm. So, condensing it a little bit. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. So, now, in verse 20, it talks about <laughs> there's a little bit of wordplay. I may, maybe I'm reading too much into it, okay? But it says, um, Alma says, Now I need not rehearse the matter. What I have said may suffice. Okay. He doesn't he has, didn't have to say it again. Good. Behold, the scriptures are before you. If you, will re- if you will rest them, it shall be to your own destruction. So he's saying, uh, you have the scriptures before you. You know what I'm saying is true. If you will rest them, or in other terms, it means to twist, to distort, or to turn from truth, or twist from its natural meaning to pervert. Okay, so if you want to if you want to do something weird, if you want to manipulate the scriptures to your own, uh, what would make you more comfortable, it'll be unto your destruction. And isn't it interesting that you have the rest of the Lord and you have, which is great. Yeah. And then you have this uh, unrighteous thing, which is resting the scriptures or wrestling. Right. And, I think about that and, and there's no, I mean, again, I don't read too much into it. I don't necessarily think that Mormon was there and he knew that it would sound the same in English because it's not like the Book of Mormon is primarily uh, read in English or anything like that. Okay. But it's just, I, it just made me think like there's, there's always those two options before you 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 do have your agency you can um, choose liberty and and the savior and enter into his rest or you can be led by satan and rest the scriptures until the day you die and that's that's all you've accomplished you've just been resting the scriptures trying to get them to say what you want them to say something more pleasant and pleasing for the here and now at the, uh, to the detriment of the future. So, 
uh, and I know we're we're getting on up there in time, but we only have a few more verses in in chapter thirteen. <laughs> I want to talk about angels. Okay, in verse twenty-two, the voice of the Lord by the mouth of angels doth declare it unto all nations, and this he's he's talking about um, the the need to repent to be saved, to, um, for the day of salvation draweth nigh, in verse 21. And this is where Alma, he's, he, he's been teaching all these doctrines. And now he's coming back and saying, just like Melchizedek called his people to repentance, I'm calling you to repentance now, right? And all, and the angels are doing the same thing, and they've been doing the same thing since the very beginning. Elder Holland, I want to leave you a quote with Elder Holland. says, I believe we need to speak of and believe in and bear testimony of the ministry of angels more than we sometimes do. They constitute one of God's great methods of witnessing through the veil. And no document in all this world teaches that principle so clearly and so powerfully as does the Book of Mormon. And it's true, the Book of Mormon, back from Nephi, um, who was instructed by an angel of the Lord to the angel Moroni who sh uh, showed Joseph Smith where to find the Book of Mormon. Angels are at work on the earth, and I can testify that in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, say amen. Amen. Because I agree. <laughs> and now you have to say amen. Yeah. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Um, um, go for it. The thing about angels is it doesn't, we can be angels. We can be the declaring angels that he's mm. talking about too. Um, the ministering of angels, we're called to that work. Everyone is called to that work, um, to share the gospel to all the nations. And so we can be angels by sharing that to others. Um, now where there 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 also is literal angels <laughs> right like kevin just said um but it's also important to note that god uses his people to also be angels like his living people right um so yeah i just wanted to throw that out there about angels but i like verse 24 what it says about mm. angels can i read it absolutely says, for behold, angels are declaring it unto many at this time in our land. And this is for the purpose of preparing the hearts of the children of men to receive his word at the time of his coming in his glory. Well, 25 is great, too. <laughs> but I'll read the first half. And now we only wait to hear the joyful news declared unto us by the mouth of angels of his coming. For the time cometh, we know not how soon and it says would to god that it might be in my day but let it be sooner or later in it i will rejoice <laughs> alma is, is such a stud alma yeah <laughs> it's like oh, i'd like it to be when i'm here but uh if it's not i'll rejoice later too <laughs> because he understands it so clearly he knows it's true yeah we were talking earlier today and this is oh, yeah. like 
you know, it's going to sound can, like you can say it. Yeah, it sounds like, oh, Kevin and Shelby, are they questioning things? No, <laughs> we, we, you know, Shelby, you said earlier, you're like, you've been thinking lately, like, is it really all true? Uh -huh. Do I really believe it? And, and even last night, um, when you told me that today, I, I told you that last night mm -hmm. after I came home from working at the temple, I had a moment where I was like, is, is, is it all true? Like the resurrection, like not, not just the restoration. I'm not talking about the book of Mormon, the restoration, Joseph Smith. I'm talking about all, is all, all of, it of it true or are we going to die? And it's just over. Right. <laughs> and those thoughts that they don't, they don't mean that you're weak or that you have, you know, a deficiency in faith or, or whatever. Uh, it's perfectly natural to, to have those moments. But what, what really matters is immediately after that, the spirit comes in and tells you, Kevin, <laughs> Shelby, whoever, you know, this is true. Think of all the experiences you've had with me, you know, mm -hmm. and his spirit. Yeah. That was more what I told Kevin <laughs> was, well, yeah, how could you, how could I even rationalize away half of the experiences of the spirit that I've had? I can't, I cannot deny those. So yeah, it's all true. <laughs> you know, it's just important. And it makes me think of elder, oh, elder cook. I want to say his talk, elder Anderson's talk about spiritually defining memories mm. or treasures. That, yeah. Memories. Is it memories? That's a great talk. That's Anderson, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, a great talk that I think, I don't necessarily know how this ties back into the Alma 13, but I invite you to read I, it. I I'll do. read it. What I, what I was thinking of before you even said that about angels uh -huh. and about testimony and about experiences with the, the Savior and his angels and his spirit, Alma. Oh, Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about uh, angels just a minute ago, and I said everywhere from Nephi to the to Angel Moroni, what about the angel that came and smacked Alma <laughs> upside the head and said, quit it? You know, yeah. that, that's the that's the whole reason that he's, he's here, here today. And an angel came to Amulek and oh. told him to prepare. So, yeah, angels, angels. are up to things. <laughs> They are. <laughs> so. Um, Good with, things. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Okay. So. Um, and that's, you know, what, what we were just talking about really ties in with, with Alma here and his, his uh, call to repentance. Um, in verse 27, he says, and now, my brethren, I wish from the inmost part of my heart, yea, with great anxiety, even unto pain, that ye would hearken unto my words, cast off your sins and not procrastinate the day of your repentance. He encourages them to uh, humble themselves before the Lord, call on his holy name, and watch and pray continually. Another great talk. Look up Elder Bednar's watch and pray continually that you may not be tempted above that which you can bear and uh, and thus be led by the Holy Spirit, becoming humble, meek, submissive, patient, full of love and long-suffering, 
all qualities of righteous priesthood holders, right? That or would, those acting in the authority of the well, priesthood. Well, yes, and and I, that's kind of what I was I was alluding to. Um, thanks for for confirming that. But yeah, I mean, in the doctrine and covenants, where where I'm referencing, where you learn about all the the characteristics of the priesthood yeah. um, and how to magnify your priesthood, those <clears throat> absolutely uh, relate or can can be used by anyone in the service of God. But yeah, Alma just closes by by really imploring them to repent. And at the very end in verse 31, Alma spake many more words unto the people which are not written in this book. So he kept going, but we're not. We're not going to keep going tonight. <laughs> we're going to close it off there. Um, Shelby, any closing thoughts um, before we we sign off? Um, I like verse 29 when it says, having the love of God always in your hearts, that you may be lifted up at the last day. I felt like that was something they talked a lot about in general conference, having the love of, love of God be your guiding factor in everything that you do. And so I like that Alma way back in the day was already saying those things too. And it just shows the unity of the apostles and the angels and prophets and ministering um, in our day too, how it still applies. Um, and then he, in 30, he, he says, I want you to repent basically so you don't suffer that second death or that spiritual death, right? And never be in his presence again. Um, and that's his whole purpose, once again, <laughs> to get them to repent. And it's the love of God guiding him. So, yep, there were more words, but it wasn't expedient for us to know them. So, uh, Mormon didn't write them down. And that's okay. Because I think we got a lot of good words <laughs> out of that. <laughs> yeah, we did. So that's all. Those are my last thoughts. And I know I know that all these things are true because of the spirit of the Lord and testifying to me as we read and study the scriptures. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, y'all. Um, thank you for sticking it out with us, getting through these these doctrinally dense behemoth of chapters. And we get back to the Book of Mormon narrative next week um, after this call to repent by Alma. Uh, Alma and Amy like have uh, have a little bit of an experience with the people there in Ammonihah. But um, they're going to teach us that even when you have difficult experiences in life, you also have an opportunity to have a great experience with the Lord, our Savior. And uh, we're going to learn about that next week. But until then, have a great week, y'all. Bye.